0: Thank you Rosalie amen uh, if you haven 't said amen that that uh, recognizing that his mercy is greater than our sin, if you haven't said that amen already say it under your breath or just say thank you lord or or some way acknowledge that that he has done that we're going to see that in jeremiah chapter thirty one and i'd like you to turn there jeremiah thirty one in our discussion on heaven and and I hope that if if there are, if some questions are generated by you that you might jot those down and pass those to me and maybe sometime we would just uh, touch on the questions that you might have about heaven we all have uh, questions and we don't know everything there is to know uh, about heaven uh, I was thinking about some travel brochures you know sometimes we Go places, and even in Spain, we picked up some travel brochures to various places, and they tell you all about what you could go and and see, and make suggestions, and list activities that you can do, and so you can go to those places. And often, you will find that they oversell and uh, underproduce, and so uh, or underdeliver you, But I assure you, that isn't the case with heaven, even though we do not know uh, uh, everything there is to know about it. We know enough that we should be excited about it, and we are given hints in Scripture. And we may take these hints and imagine from these hints what it might be like, and it might not quite be the same, but it will always be greater I want to assure you it will be better, uh, the things that we will experience as compared to the things we think might happen. And so hints of heaven is why I called this, because we are given hints. We do not understand it all, and we will have different ideas about it, and you'll say, well, uh, and, the, and the reason I throw out these things is because there are verses that tell about certain individuals that got to experience these things, and so we may get to, and, uh, and so these are hints that we take, and it will be just better than what we could imagine. So we're to the top 12 reasons why I'm excited about heaven And I think we're on number nine today, if you're keeping track of those. First of all, number one, it's an actual place. It really is a place. It is a beautiful place. It is a paradise. So that's number two. It's a beautiful place. Number three, it's a place of travel, where the gates of the new Jerusalem are open day and night so that we might go in and out, a place travel it's a place of eating and drinking and feasting uh, a place of and and so that's describing just good times great fellowship uh, that takes place so that was number four number five a place where we entertain others relationships we've had on this earth uh, will continue and we can entertain others and others, have others entertain us. That's number five. Number six is a place of ruling with Christ. In accordance to our faithfulness on this earth, we, that will establish how we rule and reign with Christ in heaven and upon the earth, the millennial earth, and also the new earth, we will rule and reign Uh, With him, a place of ruling. That's number six, a place of learning. We will not know everything when we get to heaven, as much as we would like. We will not be God in heaven. We will be men in heaven, but we will not know everything. We will know more than we know now, but we will not know everything. The angels don't even know everything. It's a place of learning. It's a place of time uh, it's just we do not step through that next uh, the door of death and and enter a, a place where there's no time. it is eternal, there will be no end, but there will be time there in heaven, and we've looked at that and it will be a place of memories and i'm I'm believing that we will remember things that we won't necessarily want to remember, but we'll touch on that today, some things that that we'll, we will remember differently in heaven. So a place of memories. We will remember things that we go through upon this earth and the fellowship that we have had, the, the great times and the blessings that God has provided us with. Number, that's number nine. Number ten is where we're at today. Number ten. Heaven is a place of forgotten things. You say, well, you just said we'll remember all of these things. Well, there will be things that are forgotten, but not necessarily in the way we want to forget them. And that's why we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 31. And There's Isaiah and Jeremiah. Those are the big books right in there. So in the center of your Bible, after Psalms and Proverbs, Jeremiah 31, beginning with verse 31. And reading through verse 34 here, uh, this is a promise that God is making to Israel and Judah, but it, it, it teaches us a great lesson about heaven. Jeremiah 31, beginning with 30, verse 31, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. This hasn't happened yet. So this is a day is going to come in the future, a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which by my covenant they broke, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. This is one of the verses. I just a side note here, that uh, we think of Jesus Christ as our groom. And we are, believers, are the bride. And, and that's the picture given to us in the New Testament. And we become the bride of Christ. God is considered the, the husband of Israel. And that's why it says, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is what we experience in the new covenant. Uh, this is the new covenant of, of my, my blood. This is why Christ says, This is why I am dying, so that we might establish a new covenant, a new testament. Uh, between us, Jesus and those that are believers. And God is saying that of Israel as well. And they shall teach no more, every man his neighbor. You say, well, that's not very nice. And every man his brother saying, know the Lord. Now, why are they not going to teach anymore? Uh, You've got to get saved. You need Jesus as your Savior. Why aren't they going to do that? Because it says, for Um, Where am I? Oh, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Uh, Someday, everyone will know Jesus Christ. That just means that not everybody that dies is going to heaven. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's going to come a time when we get to heaven, when everyone in heaven is a believer. And everyone on this earth is going to be a believer. New heaven and the new earth is what uh, Jeremiah is talking about here. Someday there will be no sin. Uh, So there's coming a time when we will not be preaching get saved because everybody will be saved at that time. for they shall know me from the least of them and to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now, the part I want you to especially take note of, it says, For I will forgive their iniquity. His grace is greater than our sin here. And though my sin be many, his grace is Greater, and he says, "I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more." The uh, let's pray, Lord, as we look at this, at this these verses, as we look at these hints from heaven. Might we get excited about your provision for us, please, in Jesus' name, Amen. There's a place of forgotten things. Heaven is a place of forgotten things. What does that mean? Will we forget? The last one, number nine, was there's a place of memories. Um, I do not believe we will forget even those things that we might want to forget, but we will see them differently. Can God forget? No. He is God. He cannot forget. So what is he saying here? Uh, I will forgive your iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. He will remember our sin. What is he talking about there? He is saying that that word, uh, I will forget or forgotten, that he will choose never to bring that sin up and hold it against us. No matter what we have done in our past, if we have come to Jesus Christ and trust him to save us, our sin has been paid for. There is no longer a debt that's owed. It has been nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ, and Jesus paid that price in full. It is finished. And so we might remember those things, but God will never hold them against us, and nor will we hold other sin against us. You know, there are times when we get hurt. We are, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, a believer might sin against us. I mean, and it happens. It probably happens a lot more than we know about. Sometimes when I find out, well, I have offended someone, I, what? I didn't even know that. And then... uh, It's reviewed, and I say, oh, man, I didn't mean it to sound that way. But we will offend each other down here. So what happens when we get to heaven? Uh, In eternity, past sins and sufferings and offenses, they will not plague us. We will see them differently. Um, We will not dwell on them. I i think of an abused wife who goes through terrible things maybe from a husband who is a believer although you know sometimes you wonder uh do they really believe have they really but that's not for us to determine only the holy spirit can convict and and do that but uh, i think of uh that she will have be given the capacity not to, to feel the horror of what she went through upon this earth. And she'll not relive those things. She will remember the faithfulness of God or the help of angels or the help of friends that helped her get through that abuse. And maybe she's delivered from that abuse Maybe by death, when she's in heaven, she will be able to say, thank you, Jesus. Even for what she's got, they, she will see that differently. See, Joseph got to see the end of, his, of the abuse that was, was pointed towards him there in the book of Genesis. He got to see the end. And so uh, when his brothers came and they he provided a place for them to live and and uh, they're in the land of Goshen and and they bring dad there and you know what the brothers said as soon as their dad died oh no joseph's going to kill us now the only reason jo uh, that joseph has spared us is because dad is here and what was joseph's response <laughs> hey hey, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. I'm seeing things differently now. I'm, I'm thanking the Lord differently. Joseph was saying to his brothers, I, I have forgotten. Just forget those things. You're forgiven. And so it's like that, um, you know, this past week, or maybe it was the week before, uh, Forrest and Christina needed a vehicle, and so they bar- borrowed our, our van, a mini van, you know. (laughs) And so we, we, thinking back on it now, we should have borrowed some kids' car seats and stuck them in the back (laughs) just to make it more uncomfortable for Forrest to drive, you know. Uh, He said he's only driven a van twice and once was out of necessity and the other was out of a joke. But he wound up, God got back at him, wound up making him have to drive our minivan. For a while, but so they come, they stop in and say, "Hey, thank you, thank you for letting us drive the van." And it was, "Hey, forget it. You don't have to thank us. Just, that's okay. It's a, it's a, you know, just forget it." Now that's different than just say, "Just forget it. Just forget it." You think they're going to forget it? Do you think the person that says that? Hey, I've forgotten it? No. Just forget it. No, that's saying, I'm never going to forget it. And I'm going to hold this over your head. And I'm going to bring it up every time something like this happens. It's going to happen again. That's not the type of forget it it's talking about. God said, my grace has forgiven your sin. And I will never forget charge you with that again that's when we get to heaven we're going to look at these things differently maybe we will see what was behind the per. you know we were hurt by somebody or something that a person said and uh, we wonder and we we all we think the worst we draw conclusions and we'll get to heaven and we'll get together with them and we'll laugh and say oh man did i miss that i completely did not see that right because our minds will see things differently. A Ukrainian pastor said, I was trained for pastoral ministry by 17 years in Siberian seminary. And you know what he was saying. He sees things differently. He is saying, thank you, Lord, for what I went through. When we get to heaven, there will be things that we will see differently And I've got forgotten things, but uh, things we will remember, we will just say, "Hey, I can forget that. I'm not going to be tormented by that again." Number eleven, heaven is a place of praying for others. Now, this is one of those things that we're given hints. Uh, It 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 doesn't come out and say you will pray for others when you get to heaven, but. uh, one thing I know for sure, there's no place in Scripture where we are told to pray for those that have died. That there is no place in Scripture to pray for those who are dying. Why? Unfortunately, once a person dies, their, uh, their welfare has already been settled. Their eternity has already been settled. And so uh, I, I know uh, on the Camino Trail, the Camino there is a path that goes through France and Spain and, and uh, Portugal, one branch goes through Portugal. And people take that, thousands of pilgrims every summer, usually it's in the summer, go on that. And pilgrims are just, they, they carry a big backpack, they have a seashell on the back because that's the sign of the camino trail and so uh, they usually have a, a shell hanging there made out of it can be made out of anything uh, when they go it is a pilgrimage they make to they all have different reasons why they're going on the trail but it's to for self-examination or to find out why they are here or what is their purpose in life and and so you ask these pilgrims as they go you know why are you walking the trail well sometimes they're walking it for a relative and as they walk it goes through all these little villages every three to five miles a little village stone villages stone uh, pavement uh, stones and and uh, these old uh, old uh, cathedrals or old churches and when they go in and they go through there we stopped in at a few of them and there would be candles lit, and you would see pilgrims in there. They'll leave their backpack at the door. They'll go in, and they'll just sit on a bench. And there might be a half a dozen or a dozen of them sitting there, and some of them have lit candles and, uh, be- because they know that there is something real in this life. Maybe they, they haven't figured out what it is. And in Scripture, it tells us it's appointed unto men to die. So that tells us we're all going to die if the Lord doesn't come back and catch us away beforehand. We're all going to die. And uh, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after that appointment comes the judgment. It has been determined. We are given this life to decide to trust Jesus or not. And then comes the judgment based upon the decision we make of choosing God. So there's no place in Scripture that tells us to pray for those that are dead. But what about the dead praying for us? My, my mom prayed for her kids. There were eight of us. There's still eight of us and then our spouses, and then our children, and uh, then uh, our grandchildren. She prayed for us every day. That was mom's ministry. And it would take about two hours. She had this book that she would write, and every time she heard about somebody related to her in this way was sick or looking for a job, she would write that down there and pray about it. Two hours. prayed for me. I believe she's still praying for me. Uh, Now, why would I think that? Turn to Revelation chapter 5, so clear in the back of your Bible. Revelation chapter 5, and this is why I say there are hints of heaven. Revelation 5, Now, this is telling what is going to happen in the, in the end. Uh, tribulation time, and then the, return of, the rapture, tribulation time, return of Christ, and then the 1,000-year millennial reign. But uh, So this is, that's what Revelation is telling us here. But look at chapter 5, verse 8. And when he had taken the book, The four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. The the Lamb takes the book, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. It was talking about the prayers of saints. Now, is it the prayers of saints on the earth or is it the prayers of saints in heaven? Well, we get to verse, uh, go to chapter six, beginning with verse nine. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So they were martyrs. The souls of these martyrs are under the altar. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them, That they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. God tells the martyrs, now this is during the tribulation time, so it hasn't happened yet. God tells the martyrs, He has the souls that it says under the altar, but around the altar. And they are crying out for God to avenge their blood and crying out for the lives of their friends that are going to get killed. And they're saying, God, when are you going to send judgment upon them and spare our brothers that are are facing uh, the, the guillotine or the... The machete or the whatever it is, the rope or the burning, all of these things that are going on now, how long is that going to be? They're praying for their brothers on earth. So this is a hint. I don't know that if everybody in heaven is praying for their loved ones. But it, it seems at least some got to do that. I wouldn't be surprised if every day my mom continues to Pray for us. I know uh, Friday I was visiting with Dick Dean, and he's pretty weak, pretty frail. Uh, But he said, you know, my mom, a godly woman, I think she died when she was about 100 or over 100, Dick Dean's mom. But uh, she prayed for us every day. And he said, you know, I think she's still praying for me. And I, I think my mom is still praying for me. Be, and we say, well, how? Because they, they don't see me. Well, that's the next thing. That was, that's, that was number 11. Number 12, the last one. Heaven is a place of viewing earth. I, I used to not believe this. I, I used to say, well, no, they, they can't see what's going on on earth because then they would be heartbroken they would see all the they'd see all the things the ugly things that are going on and they would be sad and they it would be heartbroken and everything and and that's and i used to feel that way and i used to think oh man i hope i hope they can't see if i was someplace where i shouldn't be um And so, but you know, I I believe that at least some get to view what's going on on in this earth. Why would I say that? Because there are some in Scripture that got to view what was happening on earth. Peter and James, no, um, Elijah. And uh, Moses, in heaven, came back to see Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they knew what was going on. And they knew Jesus was just about to go to the cross. And they came down to encourage him uh, to, uh, to remain faithful. They knew. They, maybe God allowed them and no others to look down from heaven, but uh, they got to view heaven, what was taking place. Uh, look at uh, Revelation chapter 18, since you're, you're probably still in the book of Revelation. Revelation 18, verse 20. And I realize that this is not today. This is during the tribulation time. But Revelation 18, verse 20 uh, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. This is, he's talking about the destruction of Babylon. And uh, it appears that they, the apostles and prophets and, and the believers, those that are in heaven, get to watch the destruction of Babylon on this earth. So at least they get, or we will get this opportunity in glory. Will we get to watch everything that happens on earth? Maybe not, but some things we do. Look at chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Hell, amen, hallelujah, and a voice came out of the throne saying, praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. He's talking to believers, the prophets, the apostles, and all of those, small and great, that's going to be us, He's talking to them and saying, you get to witness this. You see what's happening on earth? And they're saying, hallelujah, God, Jesus Christ is judging earth because of those that have rejected him. So they get to see what is happening. But we see through different eyes. Um, In the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, King Saul goes to a witch, the witch of Endor. He goes there, he disguises himself as a beggar, and goes to this witch and says, uh, I want to talk to the prophet Samuel. And so the witch is a uh, fake because witches are fakes unless they're dealing right with demons and, uh, or Satan. But it says that God brought up Samuel's soul before this witch, and her response was terror. Why? Because it's the first time it ever happened. She was successful. Ah! And it just scared her to death. But Samuel speaks to Saul, and as soon as, as, soon as Samuel comes forth, the witch says, no, hey, this is Saul. But Samuel says, I've been, wa- I've been watching you, Saul, God is not going to deliver you. You have turned your back on him. Why should he rescue you? You are going to die, and your family is going to die, and you will no longer have anyone that will sit upon the throne. Samuel knew that. How did he know it? Well, he could have been just briefed by God before he went or he could have been watching his nation Israel and how they're responding and watching the king that he tried so hard to, to get to follow God. Heaven, a place of vision. The, uh, the last, oh, in uh, angels observe Christ on earth. In fact, one of them came down in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and encouraged him. Through this time. And they are in heaven. It talks about the rejoicing in heaven. When one soul comes to know Christ. It partly is angels. Because it mentions angels there. But it mentions others that are rejoicing in heaven. And whether God just says okay. And says to uh, my mom. Come here. Look. Because one of your grandkids is going to get saved. I want you to see this. Whether he does that. Or whether they're watching. And they just know. And they rejoice every time someone comes to know Jesus Christ. Rejoicing in heaven. Um, Why? You know, I used to think, well, then they wouldn't be happy. But uh, Jesus Christ sees everything that happens. God sees everything that happens. Heaven is still heaven, even though they know everything that is taking place. The rich man was still in paradise, or it was still, the, uh, Lazarus was still in paradise, even though he knew the rich man was in Hades and a great gulf was fixed between them. He still realized that. The, the heaven without tears and pain and all of that uh, does not take place until the new heaven and the new earth, right there in Revelation chapter 21. And so we just see with different eyes Jesus grieved for people here on earth, even when he was in heaven. Uh, Remember when the voice came out of heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why are you putting believers to death? Why are you acting the way you're acting? They... He knew what was going on. He, he knew he was, his heart longed to see Saul. And, of course, Saul does believe and becomes the Apostle Paul. But from heaven, he was grieved. So our happiness in heaven will not be based upon our failure to know what's happening on earth. I believe we will know much of what is going on on earth. But heaven is the perfect place. Heaven is a place we ought to be excited about if we're a believer, if we've had our sin dealt with, taken care of. It was dealt with on the cross, and it is received, that gift is received when we ask him to forgive us and save us. But there's still something that stands between us today and the glories of heaven. If the Lord comes back, we can skip this part of it. If the Lord would come back right now, we wouldn't have to worry about this thing that stands between us and heaven or us in our eternity. So, what is that thing that stands between us and our eternity? It's called death. It's not a pleasant thing because. Christ says, and Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that death is an enemy. So it's not necessarily a pleasant thing. But there is a difference between those that step through that door believing in Jesus Christ and those that step through that door not knowing where their souls are going. And I've had the opportunity, not necessarily a pleasant opportunity, but the opportunity of sitting with individuals that have died in my presence. And there is a difference. The, only one time was I in the presence of the family as an unbeliever died. But the agony that they went through, as a family, and the wailing, and the tears, and the beating on the hospital wall, and uh, crying out, and throwing themselves on the body of, the, uh, of mom, and uh, just the agony of someone that did not know they were on their way. So different from the ones, and there have been a, a number that I've been able to had the privilege of sitting with, and uh, some even holding their hand as they went into glory. What a difference it made. The peace that can be upon an individual that is stepping through that door and going to excited about heaven. Yeah, it's completely different. And my own dad that sat up in bed at two or three in the morning and opened his arms and had a smile on his face and and then he lay down, and then mom said he sat up again, a smile on his face, his eyes wide open, just a look of expectations and his arms wide open, and God took him home. Man, why? Because dad was excited about heaven, and he was sure about heaven. There was not a doubt in his mind that Jesus, who said, I go to prepare a place for you, and since I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you, that where I am, there ye will be also. God was, Dad was convinced about that, and he was excited to go to heaven. Oh, what's it going to be like when you get to that door? And it might come Sooner than you want. Will you be excited or will you enter it with fear? Because you're not sure your sin has been forgiven. Let's pray. Lord, I am not at that door right now, but I could be and just not know it. I might not make it home from church but Lord, I, I am excited to see you, not just heaven. If I had all that heaven offered, all of the exciting things with heaven, if you were not there, Lord, I would, I would be at a loss. Because, Lord, I, I want to see you. I want to spend time with you the one who died on the cross for me. You rescued me. You saved me. So, Lord, I, I pray that, that everyone here in the auditorium has got it settled, that they're excited. Even when facing death, there still be this excitement of seeing Jesus. And before I close, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe there is one here. They would say, I, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody's looking around, but, and I might not even see your hand, but if if you would say, I, I don't know, but I, I, I want to know. I will pray for you, not by name. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to drag you down an aisle. Uh, I might catch you in a hall or something, but you say, I don't know what would happen to me if I... If I were to die right now, if I stepped through that door, I don't know what would wait me. If, If you raise your hand, let me pray for you. Anyone here? Lord, I pray that everyone here has placed their faith in you. What a joy it would be if you returned right now and caught away every believer in this place be absolutely empty. That would be my prayer, that all of us have placed our faith in you. If not, I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to work, reveal the needs that we have, even those of us that are believers. We have needs, and so we ask the Holy Spirit to convict us of those things so that we might change to be more like you, please. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.